yo, yo, yo. Yo, what's up? It's John Brown, Asher, the producer in the studio you today. Got it, you got it. Welcome back to the Post Woke Podcast. Here yeah, we are. Yeah. I know you you usually start them, but you, you have a really good point today that we're going to get into in a second. Yes, sir. We've been, you know, we're, we're both musicians, so we like to um, keep it musically oriented every once in a while. And as much as we debate everything, and we, trust me, we debate everything, um, one of the things we talk a lot about is music, you know, and we've been listening to a lot of music lately. And there was a comment. Music, that I, music. Yeah, there was there was a comment <laughs> that I felt needed to be said, like on a microphone. Sure. Just just as like a throwback, you know. Dude, Limp Biscuit was on it back in the day. Ooh, Limp Biscuit, I had mixed feelings about. Limp but... Biscuit was on it back in the day. Fair enough. I'm I'm sorry, man. I but think their like... mixes were good. I'm not sure. I really like understood Fred Durst as a lead singer. Like I didn't identify with him strongly. <laughs> Nobody identified with Fred Durst. He was. A... <laughs> but doesn't that make you like music? I mean, I, I, maybe that's that's how I find enjoyment from music is like seeing the 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 person who's creating it and like, do I believe in you or like, can I buy what you're selling me kind of thing? Limp Biscuit was great because nobody was ever up to that point, Limp Biscuit, and nobody has ever been since. Right. They are a unique anomaly in every single way. I mean, what a talented band behind Fred Durst. Fair enough. Like, yeah. I mean, everybody was so fantastic. They were innovative. They were creative. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I I just got to drop it. Like everybody picks on me, but like they were on it back in the day. I All mean, right. it was a short lived, it was a short lived reign of glory. I'm not saying that like every day I'm about Limp Biscuit. I don't have like the t-shirts. Sure. I mean, you know? yeah. And it wasn't necessarily the style of music that turned me off. Like they just had a like harder, tougher image. And like, I was into that at some phases of my life, but like some phases or most phases, I was more into like like feeling like it was artistic and i guess maybe that's just the bent of mine so that's a hot take and maybe i'm maybe i'm the hot take who knows but either way we're here today we're talking music um and i'm particularly excited about this this topic that um we're talking today um and i think we have different sides of the coin because we've literally been and existed on different sides of this coin but the question i will pose to you guys as artists or as musicians is in 2020 is a record label, the goal. So, and I'm going to start this question because I think I've got a couple thoughts I want to lay out and and, and see I you think that's a to. really I think I think that's a good question, but I think saying it's not a goal is a bold statement. So I'm sure. going to let you run with this for a minute. Yep, yep. And I, I figured very, you might be on the other I'm side skeptical. of this. Cool. Okay. So it's 2020, um, and musicians are doing. I would say, especially with the pandemic. Uh, kind of in our laps right now, uh, most of their marketing um, and existence online, right? So what my argument is, is that independent artists have never had an easier time in history to be basically a media entrepreneurial driven company and bring themselves to the table of many, like many users um, just from the ease of use of Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat um, and then, you know, Instagram live and Facebook live being a thing, you have the direct ability to communicate with a niche audience Undeniable. and that's, and yep. that's, that's a huge value. And I would argue that you're seeing, um, people come to the fold without labels. We were just listening to Lil Dicky. I know he was at least without a label for most of his career. 
Um, and then folks like Chance the Rapper who are, you know, winning Grammys, Lil Nas X winning Grammys as independent artists who basically have took to the table, like my skill set. I believe in this so much that here's the creativity that I can use to get my music out there. Lil Nas X got big on TikTok and made a bunch of subreddits so that when people Googled his name, it would all this information would turn up about him. So he would like basically be able to give his brand to people very quickly. And he figured out a way to the top. And my argument is that most musicians, as long as they really believe in themselves and want to put in the time to create a pathway for themselves, um, they can do it. They can find meaningful, meaningful long-term success independently. And now don't, don't get this twisted that I think record labels are necessarily evil, but I believe that they are fundamentally, uh, banks. So basically they, they front money and they are looking to collect on that loan, um, and they are looking to profit off of that even further than a bank would under terms that are generally very ambiguous for artists to read in their label contracts, their record deals. So what, so so, what you got, a mattress so, full of money? You don't use a bank? No, no, no. I absolutely use banks, but I don't take out loans frequently. I tend to not be somebody who wants to get into debt. And I think what you're, you have to understand if you're going into a relationship of, with record labels, you're going into debt for your artistry and sure, believe in it a lot and push it that way. If you want to take a, you know, maybe a really big risk, but what you can be suffocating is the other type of industry success that you would have had as an independent artist. And I think there's tons and tons of opportunity right now in 2020 to be the independent artist and to not have to at, at, at all set record label as your goal to be successful. One of the weirdest things about like doing this podcast with you is that when we're not in such like a, you know, a, a more worked out format, we go mm -hmm. back and forth because there were just so many things that I agree and disagree with you in that one <laughs> monologue. monologue that you have. Yeah. So I'm going to start off. We'll, we'll start off with the bad stuff. Just because why the hell not? Number one, I do. I agree with you with people like Chance the Rapper and, you know, Lil Nas X. But I guess where, where what my question is, is those are the songwriter producers. I don't know if the singer songwriter has that same capability to be able to have, you know, where, where they're all encompassing. They do every single thing themselves. There are people like me who are, you know, as far as the engineering side of things go, I'm basically illiterate. I just, I, I know very, very little of it. I know enough to help in the studio when I'm there. And that's just from being a journeyman, from being in the studio. Mm -hmm. I've never actually sat down and took the time to learn. And I guess what, the record company in today's modern day brings you is a the, the most valuable thing is that solid networking platform that is i think something where they have people who know how to get you the hits sure and on, and, and know how to get you the streams and know how and to that, get you that right stuff. and that implies that the the industry is inaccessible to some point like the independent artist or the the person that is creating the art does not have access they need to hit a threshold of something determined by the industry mm -hmm. largely arbitrary or largely to make money that you can't get into this like little like team or 
relationship or network. And I'm not, I'm not shooting down the music industry necessarily because there are there are good merits for why that is the case. Yes. But if I think the argument you're making is painting the picture of an inaccessible, unfair music industry. And I would rather promote the idea of pushing forward as independent artists and letting the labels have less of the power dynamic in the relationship. Well, it's why I think, and, and, and this is, you know, a topic for another day. It's why just like, just like any other job, there should be some sort of like union and guidelines for paying people hmm. in this industry, but that's a whole different conversation. Yes, it is. But, but factually the people who are making it without labels are people who are their own producers. Okay, they're their own engineers. And there are people out there that, yeah, in, in, in some essence, that part is inaccessible. And there's no amount of rules or regulations that we could make that would make it accessible to somebody who just doesn't know the programming, who right. doesn't know the technology. So well, and, and when when that starts okay, to happen, saying, and, and it's the same, and I'm I'm saying this totally from perspective. This mm -hmm. is my perspective from somebody who is literate illiterate on the music technology like i can write a song i can play multiple instruments i can play live i can i'm good in the studio i've worked really hard to get where i am but in all that time not only has it never interested me when i've tried it i wasn't very good at it i just i'm i write from a rhythm perspective i'm mm -hmm. a person that needs that needs a producer as a solo artist sure i'm not my own producer i i and to say that it shouldn't be a goal when that aspect exists, my life would be so much easier. And like you said, it's like taking out a loan for your business. And if mm -hmm. you believe in yourself, mm -hmm. I think that that's a chance that personally I would be willing to take. And I think it's dangerous to tell people that it shouldn't be their goal. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I agree with you in some respects there. Dangerous, I, I'm not sure. Not sure I take that. Um so I think I think there's a couple things here. So one, I think it might be helpful for us to define a common set of like successful outcomes for a musician. Like what Fair is enough. successful for you, right? And to to appeal to some of those. Um, All right, let's take a look at Limp Biscuits. <laughs> I don't want to start there. They were super what, awesome. How, the whole did they get time. famous on like Napster or something like that? Like that was a, like Napster was like I was in like sixth grade when Napster was popular, so I was just kind of like feeling around for like my musical preferences and stuff like that. So anyway. Uh, let's not start on a platinum Olympus album <laughs> entitled chocolate so, starfish and the hot dog. Let me, flavored I, I want to reel this back in. Cause I do feel like, so that's, defining, defining successful meta, outcomes, defining successful outcomes, um, and understanding <laughs> the record contracts, I think are two things to, yes. to investigate. So like the average artist, when they go into a, a, getting a record deal, because it's such a shiny, like, you know, golden thing in front of you that like you, you, you almost are willing to take so much less just to have this kind of status or credibility or whatever you internally are selfish to to pull out of that or what you pridefully want from that. And I think that's that's an issue that I think needs to be continuously communicated or repeatedly communicated to independent artists or artists on a record label for that matter who just don't know um, is that you know, you're, you're fundamentally going into a big amount of debt. And I know I said this before, but like you can get pretty big contracts, you know, 50 grand is small, right? Like yeah. in, in the world of record deals. So it's like, I mean, make sure you understand that this is the situation you're putting yourself into because you're not going to like, you're going to have to dig your way out of this. If this, 
doesn't work. And I'm not saying to, to sleep on yourself. <coughs> like, this is not what I'm saying. But, like, understanding the conditions makes you weigh the opportunity differently. And that's that's a bit of information that I think is is held and trans like uh, transposed into legalese in record contracts. So you don't, like, it's not clear and upfront and on the table exactly what's going to happen here. And that's true. And I do want to say that there is a, a huge difference between a major or even mid-level label and like your small local label, small local labels. And this is for everybody starting out something that, you know, through experience, friends and, 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 you know, people I've met over the years, small local labels are essentially network groups. Most of the time your contract is going to be for appearances like playing shows or, you know, um, having to do this recording and the, and you're not going to get anything for free. You're going to get everything discounted. You're going to pay up front. Those are not what we're talking about in this conversation. Local ones, right? Yeah, we're not talking a small local label is always a good idea, but if your goal is to get anywhere with your music, you're going to outgrow it very quickly. Well, and you're going to be doing a lot of the hustling too yourself. Like you're going to be very yoked in, and not that you wouldn't be yoked in on the record, like a bigger label, you know, like a Sony, you know, sign, whatever it is. You're essentially so, a part of a network. That's but, all a local but you're, label. You're going to have to do a little bit more of the grassroots effort in your community, in your metro area, yes. whatever you happen to be, you know, pushing yourself in. Um, understand that like that is still kind of on your back a little bit more yeah. with the with the indie record labels. Um, sorry, two things. I want to go back. I want to go back to defining successful outcomes. So, if you're a musician and you want a career in the music industry, like a long term career in the music industry, there are some things that you have to fundamentally understand. One that there is a very small middle class of people that are actually doing this full time. Most people who try to or imagine that, you know, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to be making 80 grand a year eventually doing what I do as either a touring musician or a performing musician or a session musician or anything like that. There's there's some room for that, um, you know, defining like an upper middle class lifestyle. Um, like if that again, if that's your goal, then there are some opportunities for that, but they're very few and far between. And like people, I'm sure, tell you know, speak about this in music business classes all the time is that it's about networking and understanding like your craft and all that kind of stuff. So, but the opportunities, the supply curve is low. Sorry, the demand curve is low, which creates the the lower amount of need for musicians there. So that being said, like, make sure that you understand that you're going to like work hard, invest in yourself, keep practicing every day, keep sharing on social media. Like consistency is important. Get yourself out there, habitualize yourself to get in front of an audience. Um, and then, you know, most of the music industry lies in the like people who are performing or recording and writing, um, music as a side hustle or just like a, a hobby so and that is a totally awesome place well, to be and, and, and it's an think, awesome place to be and and with that you don't necessarily need the income you can just do it for fun and if that's the outcome then then wonderful do it how and design it however you'd like lastly what you know i don't want to uh shy away from this there are some people who find a lot of success in the music industry and write you know uh jingles or popular songs or like our uh mix engineers or mastering engineers on the back end and they can find like a very successful lifestyle of like owning businesses and owning studios and stuff like that. Um, so that is, can be sought after too. But then again, I don't think that necessitates a label. Yeah. I guess most of that wouldn't necessitate a label, but yeah, there are other label artists that are wildly successful and make millions of dollars. And, and there, and the thing that I would say too is, is assuming you're happy with a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. 
I I think one of the things to to differentiate too here is that, you know, so being a songwriter that is signed to a label is a tiny percentage where, where you're, you know, your own producer, your own songwriter, you record and write everything. That is such a small percentage of the people who actually get record labels and the people who actually, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, understand that when you're in this music industry, it is, it's all encompassing, guys. You're a performer. You're a musician. You're a songwriter. You know, everybody has the few instruments that they're really, really good at. Me personally, I'm, I'm a bass player and a drummer by trade. I'm okay at guitar. Yep. Um, you sell yourself short, but, but, but I'm just saying like, you know, don't be afraid to step out of your wheelhouse mm. because as a musician, you're all of these things, whether you like it or not. Don't be a person that's like, I'm going to record music and play shows and that's all I'm going to do. You're not getting anywhere today. Mm. You're, you're, you're not going anywhere today. You need to have a social media presence. You have to sell yourself as a performer because that's what you are. That's why people are so you know distraught in this time where we can't have shows and, and everything like sure, that. Sure, and even, even maybe extending that a step further, you're more than a performer. You are a media company. Yes. You, you, are, you are a business, and you have to think about it like that if that's something that you long-term want to materialize from your art mm -hmm. form. So knowing that, and I, I think I foreshadowed or maybe even said this directly in the beginning of the podcast is, we have we have phones we have video recording capability 4k capability on most phones now that you can just uh, pick up the phone point it at yourself and say your thoughts and then post it. it it doesn't have to take more than a few seconds a day you can put yourself out there and you can share with the world what you have to say in terms of your messages and your music and your um your thoughts and your emotions so it's it's never been a better time and a, a time with more opportunity than right now to be an independent artist. So still, I, I that is so encourageable for me, at least. It's so encourageable. Like, think about that aspect of how you're building yourself up. And yeah, I think you'll attract record labels that way as well. One thing I do want to bring up, too, is just like. You know, defining successful outcomes. I know I said a bunch of cases, which I think you could assume people are happy within. Um, I want to caveat that by saying that, and I, I read this in a Kanye West tweet uh, like a week or two ago. I can't quite remember when, but basically it read something to the effect of like 90% of record contracts are what what's called in royalty, quote unquote, in royalty, um, which you know, presumably he means that 90, and I can't, I didn't fact check him on this. So I'm just kind of pulling a tweet here, but, um, 90% of record contracts have not even made back the money that they owe for the loan. So if you're looking to get a record deal and 90% of record deals fail, I'm not saying don't say yes, but know that it, it, that that's what the percentage is. And there's probably lots of people are fighting really hard. A lot of talented artists, musicians who are on record labels fighting really hard to like, you know, make back their money and build their brand and, you know, sell their merch and, you know, distribute their songs and their message. So it's a lot of hard workers that go into that calculation and still 90% of them don't find like financial profit. And admittedly due to the access of technology, it's not like it was 
back in like 1999, you know, when Limp Bizkit was topping the charts with singles like Nookie. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it is. <laughs> I sense a theme of this conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Actually, it's it's just funny because they're one of the bands that I looked into that their commercial success almost in a weird way doesn't make sense. Okay. Right? And it it brings you down an avenue to bands like Arctic Monkeys, which had the most successful, like I know a lot of people like Arctic Monkeys. They're a massive band. They mm-hmm. are well oh, known. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not belittling anyone's intelligence, but there's a lot of people that think of them as like some kind of B grade band. They have the Stones, the Beatles, that they have the number one debut album sales of any English or band in all of all time. Oh, okay. And it was because when you look, they took that social media hardcore playing out we're everywhere all the time approach. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. And, you know, I'm not saying that they didn't have the label and maybe this wasn't, and again, to the point of a label, something that pointed them in that direction. You know, mm-hmm. they might have had some help in that way. But what I'm saying is, is that if you look back at the times of 1999 of those bands, so much of it, you can you can see the beginning of it was marketing of image and marketing of what, you know, bands like Blink-182, their images were marked, were marketed just as much as their music was. Mm. You know, they were on TV and they were acting. I mean, think about that. Three punk rock, like, dirty mosh pit dudes I, I still remember. are on Saturday Night Live acting. Right. Well, yeah. And, but like, I, to, it was to terrible. the powerful. It was so fucking bad dude I, I i've i know exactly what video you're referencing so bad but i remember well but they were forced to do that right they were forced it doesn't to do matter that. if they were forced by the record label not. i think i think you're under you might it be undermining your own were forced. point here. no i'm not because what i'm all i'm saying is that whether it's the record label doing it back then the record label had to put you on snl now you can put yourself on tiktok or instagram one of the biggest right, right, media right, right. platforms that okay, was the right. point so our, i think we're arguing might be on the same side maybe i'm not understanding you correctly but i, I just to you the point of that strong <laughs> you don't just don't you just don't get me i'm too complex of a human being zach i want to know every every brain, bit of the inside of your brain i need to know it every part of it only like only like 5% of it works man <laughs> You're just going to go and eat a bunch of empty 100% corridors of the lizard side of doors. your brain. Yeah, there's just paper all over like the ground. Like 0.1% of the rest of your brain. That sounds about right. No, I'm just playing. No, no. It's, I, honestly, Either way, to the, to the point of strong branding, like, uh, and specifically for Blink-182, like I remember being so stoked when I saw, and I don't know if it was on YouTube or some other website back in like 2004 or whenever I was, you know, on the internet listening to Blink-182, um, that they placed the camera right in front of Travis Barker between like the Tom, like the rack Tom and the mm-hmm. snare looking at him while he did that opening fill. Like like that, like I remember the placement of that. And I remember like there, like it felt like the way I had my, like my garage set up or my, mm. my friend's loft set up. Like it was, it was very like, Oh my gosh, they're like, I can accomplish something similar to that. Like, mm-hmm. like I could dream into that. So like the branding is like mad, mad powerful. That's the anecdote. Well, of and I guess, I guess what my point to all this is, I'm trying to kind of make it light and like tell, you know, funny stories about this, <laughs> but the, the, the end game here is that bands like Limp Biscuit could exist today without the label 
because so much of it is their image and they don't care what they what anybody thinks of them, which is super important, especially because you're so accessible to everybody nowadays. But, you know, if those people, if, if you have enough special about you, I don't know if you need a label. I don't. And, and, and the truth is, is that what's special about you could be your hard work and dedication. Could be that you just flood the internet with content and make yeah. me so happy to wake up and see this person playing their music or, you know, and in their lives and what they do. I mean, that's that's a huge part of today. And you can do that without a label. But a label is the ultimate network because it's mm. all of those networks filtered into people who specialize in those networks that can help you get distributed to your maximum potential on those networks. And it, and because they're so accessible, you don't even need to be on that big of a label to have that advantage. You know, like I'm sure there are mid-level labels that have upcoming artists that are touring and are, you know, making money and all that stuff, but they're not well known that have this ability to just really put you out on the internet. And that's what sure. makes me definitely that's why yeah. should and it I... be your goal. Oh, and by the way, if if anybody emails us, we're gonna start trying to get in contact with our with listeners that we hope we have, and have on one email. day. And if you ever quote Kanye West, you lose all <laughs> <Yeah>. validity. <laughs> And I will not respond. I will say this person thinks like Kanye West and you can defend your stance from then on out. You as in the person who emailed us? No, you as in you. Oh, as in me. Producer, okay. Okay. Because you quoted Kanye West. I have I have complex feelings toward Kanye. So that's that that would be actually be a great podcast idea. Um, questions with Kanye I, either way I, I I see what you're saying and I I don't want to belittle any expertise by any means because I think they are record labels do um, do good work I think there there is good work being done I just think that they shouldn't be the goal for the artist because there's you know not enough maybe general either transparency or you know uh, stock in the game skin in the game uh, from the record label's perspective, in terms of the risk for the artist itself, and I, I I get the complexities around that, but I still think just the independent circuit is so hot. So like now, with the rise and fall of social media companies, you know, like TikTok is huge now; it's enormous now. Like it's really Vine, fire. R.I.P. Vine, dude. So yeah, Twitter bought Vine, killed it. Musically came on the market, rebranded or was bought. And turned and converted into TikTok, and yeah, Twitter is probably God, I miss so Vine. so upset. Well, I mean, TikTok is Vine. Now. No, it like is the, not well, Vine. Uh, you could probably fight me on that. I was not on Vine frequently. I was oh. a consumer on Vine. I was not a creator on Vine. I was not but a creator way, on Vine either. But but the actual content on Vine was better. Uh, that could be. I don't know it well enough. Too commercial. We'll, we'll do some fight the man. We'll rage we'll do, against the machine. What machine do you think we're raging against? We'll do some analysis TikTok. on that. We'll get it back. So, Sorry. so no, either way, it seems to be I'm a pattern that today. every every three to five years, social media companies rise and fall. So here's my, this is my last kind of suggestion pitch to, um, to artists just to think about. Um, social media companies starting honestly with MySpace in like 2005, right? What's up, so Tom? Like, what up, Tom? Tom was my BF. He's listening right now. Yeah, Tom, thanks for tuning in, man. So from... The beginning of MySpace, which started in I, I, probably earlier than this, but it became popular, say, call it 2003. You know, Facebook started 
on 2000 in 2004. Okay, which was exactly the year that I started high school. So I don't know why you're talking about it. Okay, so and, so here's and, here's the point. I, I need I need you to let me draw my illustration first before I, before we match dates exactly. But you can fact check me on this. So call it MySpace in 2000. Call it Facebook in 2005. Call it Instagram in 2010. Call it Snapchat in 2015. Call it TikTok in 2020. There are different platforms that become differently and or sorry uniquely popular to coming of age people so every four five years there is a rise and a fall of a new uh like location platform social media company one of these companies so and tiktok just happens to be the hot one right now and my point to illustrate this is that tiktok's not gonna be big forever tiktok will have maybe two more years of like what like pretty strong success for content creators and then a new social media company will emerge and the people who jump in early on that and start becoming content creators on that platform will be the ones that then soak up the attention soak up the uh ability to market directly to people um, and, you know, continuously be able to pour to to their followers, like give their music to their followers. So my point is, is artists be aware of this because, you know, again, like just because one is popular now doesn't mean it's always going to be popular. So watch for the next platform that's going to be probably come in the next couple years to jump on it, start creating content and get your stuff out to people quickly. And this is just a message of practical takeaway that i want you guys to have so think about your music business in alignment with how you can get it to an audience and one really important thing to take away from that is even though the record label may have the ability to um, help you get on these sites and promote yourself through them. They may have leads on the next social media site, which all these things are super positive. And, and this is why I say don't, don't shy away from a label if you look at the contract and it looks fair. Don't be afraid to take a loan out or place a bet on yourself. But any of these things that they're promoting are the same sites that you can just make yourself. Sure. It's the same YouTube page. It's the same... Yep. TikTok, it's the same Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's all they're doing is using their network to promote them. Yep. They're the exact same things you would make. And and I'm I'm surprised you didn't say this, but um I know this about you that uh you were you were on a small like independent I was, label. I was on a small independent label and it worked out really, really well for us. I mean, I got to, nothing, nothing big. I don't even know if the label exists anymore. I'm not gonna drop them because they may not want to be associated with me. <laughs> but you know, I did a small tour, you know, just an East Coast type of thing. Right. I I was able to live that experience and I made money from the tour. Granted it was like five hundred bucks for two weeks, but I we didn't lose money. We had to do the investments, though, hmm. because we would get paid for shows, but we didn't have a choice whether we wanted to play them or not. We would get a humongous discount. I mean, I know this was back in 2007, but we would pay like $25 an hour for a professional studio with a guy who really knew, who was a, who was a really good engineer. He wasn't the greatest producer, but he was a good engineer, um, put out a good product for us. Um we got promotion through the label and their media people. I mean, again, this wasn't the way media is today, but they were really good. They posted regularly. We got followers. You know, they would bring people out 
you know, we'd play a decent show like uh, in uh, uh, Chicago. We actually played a show on that little tour and it was it went really, really well. People showed up. They had a couple of great local opening bands. I mean, they did everything right for us. They sure. really did. Um, the the band broke up for other reasons. We were both we were all very young and it just, you know, everyone went their own way. But that experience was very good for me. And that's why I, I, I do want people to th- to keep an open mind about labels. There's in every aspect of your life, somebody's out there to screw you. Hmm. You know, it's the reason why we shop for quotes. You know, it's, it's, it's just, don't think everybody's your, your friend, but don't think everybody's your enemy. And don't be afraid to take a bet on yourself. Hmm. Don't be afraid to take a loan out on yourself. But to your point, you are 100% right. In today's day and age, I mean, guys like Mac DeMarco, you know, I'm sure he had a late, maybe had a label when he was in Foxygen, but he created his own label. He's all self-sufficient now. Yeah, that's a good point. And, too. and, you know, like if you have a better model for a label, then go do it. Right. Do it. Like, I, I, mean, I like that. I, I like there's that. There's a ska band and you yeah. can look this up. There's a ska band named Streetlight Manifesto and they're there. They, they had a huge fight with their label and now they've created their own ska label who intends to treat everybody with, by the way, if you want to hear some really fast, dirty ska, there you go. Third way. Streetlight Manifesto. Third I'm, I'm like, you know, that's dating ourselves to, mm-hmm. you know, say that we both. I was. It was funny that you had to explain who they were or assume that your audience doesn't know who they were. But you're right. Like that's. They created their own label where they because are. they were treated so terribly. Another ska band, which it must be something in this industry. I was probably because third wave ska was so huge and then fell off the map, mm. and it probably screwed a lot of record labels, and that's why people got you know hurt from that. But. There are bands like that, and and you hear about it all the time of people re-recording old music just so they can make the money off of it. Hmm. You know, to your point, I mean, those are things that are still happening today where you'll have two versions of a song recorded by the same band and you don't realize that one of them was released by their label and to get off that label, they re-recorded the song right. so that they could make the money so off of it. they must have owned the songwriting copyright. The band must have owned the songwriting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good of them, or good for them to kind of preserve that at least in their first contract, but... Either way, yeah, this that's a it's a really really cool suggestion. I love that the create your own label to create the industry you want. Like there is probably a, a bigger space for that, and you know, there's I could you know bring up a couple opinions I have about you know Spotify and how it you know kind of both saved the music industry and then you know could probably use some improvements. But you know, either way, you can find a way to to make money in the music industry. Excuse All right, me. let's do this. Let's do this. So. And this is just because, I mean, I know it's not the way we are now. We're a lot closer on thinking the way mm. um, things are right now. But let's say we're talking, you know, back in the day. You're a producer. I'm signed to a label. You know, I'm, I'm having a bad experience. How do I, where do I start with my own promotion? And you're, you're talking pre-social media. No, I'm talking in today's day and age, but I'm saying think oh. about me from 2007 on yeah. a label. I, I mean, I wasn't having it, but I am having. So people a bad coming experience. off of indie labels or or something like that. Mm-hmm. I so mean, what I do mean, you think about? Yeah. So what what are the what where do I start and what are the pros? Not the cons. We we've we've discussed plenty of the cons. What are the pros to doing this? So so yeah, and I'll I mean. I can start off with kind of some basic instructions about how to get there. So one, like create handles on, on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and Facebook and, 
Um, you know, even LinkedIn has good reach right now, but like create a bunch of profiles and start by, by consuming content on that platform. Don't even create anything. Just get on the platform and just watch what other people are doing for six weeks. Spend an hour a day. I know that sounds like a lot, but you'll probably actually spend more. Um, so get on these platforms, see how people are creating content on those platforms, and then figure out what your lane is in that. Like, how can you participate in a similar way that's like reacting to internet culture or reacting to trends or figuring out what like your humor style is or how you can educate people because you know who these people are now because you kind of get a window into their life, although the window is not always, you know, exactly, you know, the famous, you know, concept is that you're comparing yourself to other people's bests when you see their Instagram posts and stuff like that. But you still get a window into their life and have uh, one point of contact or reference point to open a conversation with them. So understanding people is kind of the bottom line. And the benefit to that is that like, yeah, you you can create content, you can interact and build relationships, build friendships with people um, in the online space. And then, you know, if you really do have a strong message, if you really do have a message that resonates, if you really do have a sound that like makes people feel something, or if you really have something that is bringing people educational value and teaching them how to think about something or how to, you know, go through a DIY, you know, production in logic, which is a lot of what, you know, I think about, um, then you'll, you'll find a lane and it's, and it's about being consistent to that because people view social media like in a couple senses, one like, yeah, you're more likely to go viral, but if you just create, you know, one piece of content every single day or like every other day and share it across multiple platforms, you are participating with other people. We and are participating together. So we are doing this whole content creation thing together and then you you know, get to understand people better because of that. And yeah, so anyway, that's that's kind of all a, a story to say that the benefit is your your presumable audience at the end. And it goes back to what we said earlier about the positive things of a label. Like, right. The positive thing of a label is networking. If you're not doing the label, you need to network on your own. Mm -hmm. That means realizing that as much as you want to be a songwriter or a producer, we're all musicians first. Reach out to other people. Do things on their videos mm -hmm. for your own content. Um, reach out to other people for ideas. Hey, I really like you know how you got this image. How did you do that? You know, um, do you do you, you know contact somebody you like their video? Who did you use as a videographer? Mm -hmm. Who edited your stuff? Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. That's you what labels are doing for you. You cannot be silent ever. Even if you're not generate if you're not generating content gen content generate a network okay if you sure. if, if you don't you know like let's say you, let's say you are limited and can mm -hmm. only generate a minimum amount of content that doesn't mean that you can't be reaching out to but people con yeah and i guess i would push back on that just to go a little bit more down this tangent to tease it out like i think i used to be of the opinion that you know you need to think criti critically about the quality of your content and worry about really saying the right thing or doing exactly the ex the perfect thing to make you know, your sound the best or your information the tightest or whatever. And I think what I've at least come to realize the more and more I become a content creator is that 
it's more just about sharing what you think and showing it quickly and being real about that. And sure, you can polish it up and get a production company to come in and film and edit it all to look super shiny and stuff like that. But the idea is that you should be just, you know, kind of reacting, right? Like, hey, I thought of this neat like guitar riff and it was in Dorian and I think it's played in a really interesting way. So I want to share that and explain why I like it. It was in Dorian or it was in Dory, the movie about the little fish. (laughs) It was in Dorian, the movie. Because I'm down with both. Eleanor Rigby. I like Dorian a lot. So either way, um, it should, it should kind of naturally flow out of you and people make the mistake frequently. And I think it's probably because of insecurity that they're not good enough to just share to just create, to just put themselves out there. It takes 15 seconds to record a TikTok. You don't need anything more than that. So why are you telling yourself you need to like exist in a certain way in the online space? Get rid of that thought and just create. I 100% Quantity agree. over quality. Yep. That's that's the hot take. 100% agree. The only thing that I, I, I just want to add to the point before was if... You're not creating content. You're creating friendships. Sure. You're okay. creating people that you're working with. You're you're reaching out to people. You're asking, you know, uh, find, you know, you find a band that you like instead of reaching out to the artist, reach out to the engineer. Hmm. You know, like reach out to, uh, you, you, you know, you, you recognize the drummer from another band. Reach out to the drummer. Come hmm. play on my track. I mean, seriously, the, the, this is what a label's doing for you. That is what a label is doing for you. We've all seen guitar virtuosos and drum legends Mm -hmm. in in your friend's basement. Reach out to them. That is the thing, is that if you're not going to do the label, it's not, it is mostly about the content. And again, no content is bad content as long as you are a good person. Like realistically. Lots of context for that. I believe what you're saying. There can be stupid content. Yeah, there, and there, there can, can be, be annoying content. There can be offensive content, right? But of course, that's but, bad content. That's what I'm saying. There's right. a lot of stuff that people right. would consider as bad content, and that goes to the insecurities that people have. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to think I'm a nerd, or right. they're going to think I'm boring. Well, that's that's not bad content because right. bad content has to affect you negatively. And it's about negatively. like that. Maybe that's who you are. Like it's okay maybe to be you're a nerd, fucking dude. Boring, guy. It's, and it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> like you know, there will be a, there will be another place where like you have value for something. Like <laughs> just because you're Sorry. void of humor doesn't mean you're bad. Just because you're boring doesn't mean you're bad. There maybe, are those kinds of people out there. Maybe you're not making it as a musician because you suck. <laughs> That's just I mean, might be the honestly, reason. But it's a tough message for some people. It they, is. They might need to hear that. It's funny because it's true. Because I'll. The bar of how talented of a musician you are is set by the community itself. Okay. Like, you know if you're skilled at guitar or not. You know, I mean, I mean, I think there's some people that are on the line that there are people that are on the line, but, but, you know, they're also really crappy musicians that are really great songwriters. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the other thing too is, they're also really great musicians who are crappy songwriters, and they're a combination of both of those that are just terrible people. You can be a great songwriter <laughs> and a great musician, and if you're a crappy person in today's day and age of social media, you're screwed. You're, Say you're, that one you're, more time. If you 
in today's day and age, where social media and you're, again, you're a performer, you're a personality, you're an influencer, you are inevitably going to be if you are in this music industry and want to go to the next level with it. There's no way around that fact. Right. Art it, is capitalism, if fortunately you are or unfortunately. that person and you are a crappy, it, it's just like we said, 10 years ago, I never would have made the joke of if you quote Kanye, you're done. Never. But unfortunately, because it came out that he's batshit crazy. <laughs> the dude can make a beat. He's a wonderful producer. I have nothing to say about his music abilities in any way, shape, or form. And neither should anybody that listens to this. But as a person, he's kind of a dick. You know? And th- and, and I, that's the I thing that you need I have complex feelings. To... I think I said that before. It's... it's... You know, a mix of him possibly having some mental health issues that I think he he needs to deal with. Um, but his artistic output is is pretty undeniable. Exactly, he's, he's a little full no of himself for for sure. Um, but like, I don't like I I know these are things that he's wrestling with, or I would imagine he's wrestling with. If I'm assuming he's an honest person, which you know. We could argue that all day. I suppose, all I'm but. saying is that the truths of you are going to come out. And as long as you're a decent person, don't be insecure. Exactly. But and, and I would go even further than that is then you should be out there. If you're a decent person, please be in the social media space. We need more of you guys, like people that are are not here to combat and not here to to name call and character assassinate. Like get get off your chair or stay in your I chair know, and, and even film if your, your social music media stuff. isn't that good. Unlike the early 2000s powerhouse, the band Limp Bizkit, <laughs> you need to be out there promoting yourself. And I and a great way to wrap this up. I know we're just talking back and forth. We're going to start hitting circles at this point. Mm-hmm. Social media is key. The, the biggest advantage to a label is the networking. If you are not going to be a part of a label, and if that's not your goal, I agree with you. It's okay. There's other avenues. But if you're not, remember that the one thing more than anything else that that label does for you is network. And as much as content is important, which it is, lots of it, generate it, put it out there. There is, if you think, oh, I don't have anything, do you have a cat? Because they're the most popular thing on the internet. <laughs> it's porn one, cat two, <laughs> period. Show a picture of your cat, and that's not a joke. I mean, we can laugh about it, but I'm serious. Promote yourself. But the one thing that a label does for you that you need to do for yourself that is just as important as content is the networking. That is what a label does for you. That is what you need to do yourself that is the only remaining thing the, the 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 social media is easy. The promotion is easy. Production is is cheap and affordable, and people want to work with you and and barter things. And I'll play for you, man. You come play my show. We can do all those things. But networking is the one thing that you need to do yourself, and you need to make a priority because it doesn't matter how much stuff you put out. You're never going to be able to do it by yourself. Very good. So I think that that's a good take one, take two for us. Um, thanks for tuning in to the Post Woke Now What podcast. You can send us emails at postwokepod at gmail.com. Postwokepod. Spelled exactly how it sounds with two Qs. With two Qs and a Gmail at the end. So thanks again for tuning in. I'm Asher, the producer. John Brown on the mic over there. John Brown. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you shortly. Much love.